know, I couldn't think of a better way to end this three-week stretch of Manos coverage than having somebody from the original film join us back on this episode of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is Monster Kid Radio. I am your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. And this week, I'm bringing to you a conversation that I had with Debbie from the original film. Jackie Naaman Jones is joining me this week on the podcast. I'm super excited about it. Really excited to share that conversation with you. Of course, we're playing the same song we've been playing for the past couple of weeks because there's no way out of here. This is the song Manos the Hands of Fate by the band The Seatopians from their album Underwater Ally. You can find them at thecetopians.bandcamp.com. Check out their entire album and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you when you're done listening to this episode. Like I said, we've got Jackie lined up. I'm excited to get into that. And of course, it wouldn't be an episode of Monster Kid Radio without segments from Mark Matsky, the Beta Capsule Review, and Kenny, his look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. And this time around, we also have an email. This comes from friend of the show, Monster Kid Radio Irregular, Kevin Slick. Kevin writes, Hi Derek, I've enjoyed your first two episodes of the Month of Monos, or is it Monos Month? Some thoughts. You love Manos, so there's no need to justify that love. It's an opinion, and everyone has one. They don't need to be defended. My favorite color is red. Favorite ice cream flavor is vanilla. Can't argue, defend, or support either point. They just are. Now, if you're trying to debate, or trying to convince someone, that's a different story. Maybe it's a mistake to talk about the film in any kind of quote-unquote normal way. From my perspective, talking about Manos in terms of direction, acting, pacing, editing, etc., compared to what we would generally consider competent filmmaking doesn't work. It just looks absurd by any of those measures. Honestly, I haven't watched the film for a while, but I can't remember anything about the film that I could say was competent or average filmmaking. That said, I give anyone major props for making a film at all. Joel said the same thing at Monster Bash. No matter how bad the film, the fact that you made something deserves respect. I'd like to interject here. This is Joel from Mystery Science Theater 3000. He was a special guest at uh, Monster Bash convention. I was there. Uh, we actually did an interview with Joel way back in the day. That would have been episode 115 back in 2014. You can find it in the archives over at monsterkidradio.net. Just look for, well, 2014 and then episode 115. You can get the interview that I did with Joel. That was a fun time. Anyway, back to Kevin's email. Maybe Manos is like the film world version of The Shags. Do you know them? And then he provides a link to The Shags. I, I don't know what The Shags are. Um, I had to follow the link. And uh, it is a band from the 60s. So that's really kind of all I know. I, I really don't know anything about it. But Kevin does continue for those of you who know The Shags. Maybe you'll understand the references here. I can see some obvious comparisons. A guy thinks rock stars make a lot of money. Rock stars make albums. How hard can it be to make an album? The Shags have a dedicated fan base that see them as naive geniuses. And maybe they are. But no one can listen to philosophy of the world and critique it with any normal musical parameters. I totally get the DIY love of Manos. I was deeply involved with the mid-80s indie music scene with releases on cassette. As a reviewer, I listened to hundreds of albums and found something lovely about almost every one. That said, it was a rare few that showed much competence in terms of songwriting, recording, editing. Trim that guitar solo by about five minutes, please. 
I'm guessing my enjoyment of much of that music is similar to your love of Manos. Maybe it's the naive quality, the DIY ethic, maybe it's some kernel of an idea or bit of acting that shines through. Yeah, I get it. The charm or the appeal is somewhere else, it's not in the technical qualities or lack thereof. On a slightly different note, I enjoyed your black and white version of the film very much. I thought it accentuated the bleakness and the sparse narrative. Much as some recordings working better in a stripped-down sonic approach, guitar and vocals instead of a whole band kind of thing. Glad to hear you back on MKR and looking forward to the stream coming back as well as any other projects you might have on tap. Kevin Slick. So, first of all, if you are following Kevin on Facebook, you'll see that he just announced his retirement. So, congratulations, sir. You can keep up with Kevin over at kevinslick.com. Like I said, I, I'm not familiar with the shag, so I don't necessarily get everything that you're saying there. But I, I think I understand or is able to kind of parse what you're saying out uh, from the email and having reviewed a little bit of the shag's material online, that sort of thing. You know, Manos is just weird, man. It, it just grabs me in such a weird way. It perhaps puts its hands on me and doesn't let me go. Uh, there's a weird metaphor there I was trying to make, or maybe a joke, I don't know. Anyway, you know, maybe I do spend too much time defending Manos and not enough time just enjoying Manos. I do defend it, and it's something that is going to be important to me later this year as well. And we'll talk briefly about that in the vaguest of terms at the end of this episode. I dig it, man. I enjoy it. I enjoy it for what it is. And thank you for saying you enjoy the black and white version of the movie. Now, I know that it has turned up in black and white in other places as well. I believe I was the first one to show it anywhere on the Twitch stream in black and white, but I think you can find it on YouTube now as well. And there's just something about turning it black and white that makes it even more bleak. You're absolutely right. It makes it feel creepier and grungier and dirtier and like you're really watching something you're not supposed to be watching. Not sure why that is. I I haven't analyzed it uh, enough, but it's disturbing for sure. Will the stream be coming back? Well, there are plans. Now, I'm currently working a new job, uh, a a day job, quote-unquote, real job, and that job requires that I am working outside of the home, and I will be working some Saturdays, uh, probably every Saturday with the exception of this weekend for some reason or other, but I will be working a lot of Saturdays, so I won't be able to be home to really launch a stream the way that I used to. However, Beth and I are talking about bringing the stream back maybe on Sundays, Maybe something more limited on Sundays. It's something that's up in the air. I definitely miss it. But stay tuned. And know that I have been randomly just putting things out on the stream. The stream that we're talking about, listeners, is over on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. As of this recording right now, and I'll probably leave it running for at least another 24 hours, I'm doing a loop of various luchador movies. So there's four Santo movies playing right now over on the Twitch channel. They're all subtitled. The subtitles are there on the screen. I might not be there, but there may be some other people in the chat room. So hang out, watch some movies, chat it up in the chat room. While you're watching the movies, it's the only time I'm going to encourage you to actually talk during a film. And just have a good time and hang out and watch some luchador movies. Like I said, I have been randomly just throwing things out there. No rhyme or reason, no real schedule. But we're trying to get things worked out to where we can have a regular schedule again. We're still unpacking and everything after the wedding and the move and just trying to find time and space to do everything that we need to do 
and then want to do has been a journey. So I appreciate everybody's patience. The stream will come back in one way, shape, or form. In particular, on this Sunday, we're doing something a little different. We're doing something kind of special, and I'm going to tell you about it right now. And then I'll remind you again at the end of the show. I've been wanting to do a monster movie trivia game or trivia show or game show, whatever you want to call it. We have over 30 questions of varying difficulties. Some questions are very easy. Some questions are, you know, deep cuts and, and maybe a little difficult. And there's one question in there that's just fun. And it's something that I'm going to do on Sunday. You can play along if you are a patron. You need to be a Patreon patron or supporter at the Midnight Movie or $5 level or higher. And you need to RSVP through Patreon at patreon.com slash monsterkidradio. Sign up for the Midnight Movie level, the $5 level or higher, and you will get a notification Sunday morning letting you know how to sign on to play. Now, everybody can watch. This is going to be broadcast live, and you can watch it on Twitch at noon Pacific this Sunday, June 4th. I am really excited about doing this, and if it works out, we're going to be doing this on a semi-regular basis. I have to tell you right now, I don't have anybody RSVPing. Nobody's gotten back to me yet, and I'm going to need at least three or four people wanting to play along to make it worthwhile. So... If you are interested, just sign up over on Patreon. Reach out to me over on Patreon. I'll send you the information on how to play. And we're going to play live on Sunday at noon Pacific. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get into the rest of the episode. We've got Mark Matsky on deck, and he is just ready to drop some more Ultraman knowledge. So why don't we go ahead and get to that here in a moment? Like, right now. Dracula, monsters from under the sea, atomic Frankensteins, and Grandpa Monster 2. Classic monster memorabilia vendors, movie and TV stars, signing autographed photos. It's all coming to the Marriott Pittsburgh North, June 16th through the 18th, 2023. It's Monster Bash! Fans who grew up with monster movies in the theater and on TV will descend on the Marriott Pittsburgh North. Hundreds and hundreds of fans. Don't you scare miss out as fans travel from all over the country to meet, shop, and enjoy classic monster entertainment. Coming to Monster Bash in June, Audrey Dalton, star of The Monster That Challenged the World, and Boris Karloff's thriller TV shows. Charlotte Austin, who starred in Frankenstein 1970 with Karloff and Ed Wood's The Bride and the Beast. Lynn Lugosi Sparks, the granddaughter of Dracula himself, Bela Lugosi. Daniel Roebuck, star of countless films, TV's Matlock, and Grandpa Munster in the latest Munsters movie. Plus, he's a super fan and collector of classic monster memorabilia. Beverly Washburn, actress in Spider Baby with Lon Chaney Jr., Thriller, and Disney's Old Yeller. Tom Savini, actor, makeup man, 
special effects genius with credits that include Creepshow, Tales from the Dark Side, The Black Phone, and so much more. Pamela Pierce, actress and daughter of the director that brought us The Legend of Boggy Creek. John Russo, co-writer and zombie from the original Knights of the Living Dead, the origin of the modern zombie. And Ohio TV horror host legend, the one and only Son of Ghoul, still creeping to TV sets after all these years. Plus Cleveland horror hosts Drac and Countess Corita. Monster Bash is wall-to-wall -wall vendors at a giant horror hotel packed with classic monster movie fans. Don't miss out. Three-day VIP admission is $55 in advance or $60 at the door for all three packed days. Single-day admission at the door is $25. It's all at the Pittsburgh Marriott North, Friday through Sunday, June 16th through the 18th, 2023. Get your advanced membership admission online at creepyclassics.com. That's creepyclassics.com. More information is available at monsterbash.us or call 724-238-4317. It's Monster Bash. At the Earth's core, you will see the Mosops, whose fiery breath withers trees and plants, the vicious Mayhars, bird women who feed on human flesh, the giant Boz, lizard-like behemoths with poison fangs. See creatures beyond your wildest nightmares in Edgar Rice Burroughs at the Earth's core from American International Pictures. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Return of Ultraman, Episode 15, Revenge of the Monster Boy, first air date, July 9th, 1971. Jiro Sakata befriends a boy named Shiro from a well-to-do family who lets Jiro borrow his homework notebook in order to copy the answers. Jiro gets in trouble for cheating and Go accompanies him to return the notebook when Go learns that Jiro's friend is part of the Kato family, he asks Captain Kato about his nephew, who claimed his uncle was withholding secrets from Monster Attack Team about a recent series of blackouts. Captain Kato both denies the charges and defends the trustworthiness of his nephew, which leaves Go in a state of confusion. Upon further investigation, Go and Jiro uncover a shocking fact. The boy they talked to, who claimed to be Captain Kato's nephew, is an imposter. His lies are an attempt to exact some sort of revenge upon the Kato family, who owns the train company at which his father died in an accident. Incredibly, he claimed that electrical monster Elodortus destroyed his father's train, but no one believed him. Convinced that Shiro is still lying, Go roughs him up only to be filled with remorse when Elodortus appears, beginning an all-out assault on a major power plant. Revenge of the Monster Boy is a satisfying example of the mature storytelling Return of Ultraman was capable of, developing an episode around the grief of a young boy who has lost both parents. It's fascinating to see how it's handled by writer Shigemitsu Taguchi 
When Shiro is asked what his favorite kaiju is, he responds Elodortus, the same monster that killed his father. But he also confesses that he hates Elodortus, for obvious reasons. Perhaps because no one believes his eyewitness testimony, he forms a weird bond with the monster and seems to think Elodortus is doing his bidding. But Shiro learns almost too late that the monster of revenge cannot be controlled and has a way of destroying everything. The episode gets bonus points on top of this thematic excellence by giving viewers a great team-up between M.A.T. and Ultraman, and the unforgettable image of Jiro joining Go on an investigation wearing a Monster Attack Team helmet, living the dream of Ultraman fans everywhere, whether young or young at heart. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Mansky reporting. It's a fascinating place to visit, but you couldn't live here. Not for very long, anyway. This is the master bedroom. Certain people find the old place positively captivating. What are you going to do to me? Right now, I'm going to take a sample of your blood. Blood of Dracula's Castle, for the most charming vampires you'll ever meet. Mm, delicious. I've never had it before. It's new. A type double O positive. Oh, by the way, George, we have arranged for Johnny's release. And we shall be supplied with new vintages all the time. Johnny's their ward. He's not a bad sort, either, if you like fiends. And we mustn't forget Mango. He'll relieve the tedium if you get bored. Blood of Dracula's Castle. A picture that will delight anyone who finds a certain satisfaction in horror and lunacy. Drop in some night. Meet the members of the household. You may even see the last of a vanishing breed. Dust. See Blood of Dracula's Castle in color. A Crown International release. Come into the cave of the bat demons. They are waiting for you. They are longing for your blood. You'll drop in to join them in horror of the blood monsters and you a ghastly journey into the weird world of the undead. You'll feel your flesh crawl and tingle as creeping creatures slither out of the night to satisfy their unholy cravings. Don't come to see horror of the blood monsters alone. Bring a friend. Bring a fiend. Bring your nerves.
human beings, hideously transformed into the most grotesque creations we ever dare to show you on screen. Gruesome mutations of the cult of empires. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. This month we are taking a closer look at the misunderstood classic, Mano's Hands of Fate. This film was never covered by FM, but it wasn't because Foray was shy about featuring misunderstood films. In fact, the pages of FM were filled with photos and articles of any movie that wanted to promote itself and famous monsters. This month, we will take a look at several of them and see how FM sung their praises, most of the time sight unseen. Micro-budget filmmaker Al Adamson found the perfect way to get his DIY monster flick onto the cover and pages of Famous Monsters. He provided a substantial role, including a death scene, to Uncle Forey. And thanks for making him a movie star, Forey put Dracula vs. Frankenstein on the cover of FM 89 from March of 1972. Inside, we find an eight-page article with 11 photos. I have some history with this film myself. While living in Eugene, Oregon, my family got cable TV in 1974, which included KTVU Channel 2 from Oakland, California. It was May 11th of 1974 when almost 10-year-old Kenny B. discovered Bob Wilkins' Creature Features and became a loyal fan of the true horror host. That night, he showed the Universal Classics Tarantula and Curse of the Undead. I was hooked. The very next week, May 18th, he showed the odd double feature of Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster and Dracula vs. Frankenstein. I remember quite clearly the next day meeting with my friend Craig and discussing how bad we thought the movie was. And we were only nine years old. With Lon Chaney and Jay Carroll Nash, it can't be all bad, right? Forey apparently loved it. Or he was going to get a percentage. Listen to his glowing words. Dracula vs. Frankenstein is a must-see for FM readers. And it is packed full of unusual horror oddities. Editor Forey Ackerman, who was also technical consultant to the production, appears in the film as Dr. Beaumont and is the new Frankenstein monster's first victim. After a long screen absence, J. Carol Nash returns to the movies as the new Dr. Frankenstein, ably assisted by Lon Chaney as Groton, the mad zombie, and Angelo Rosito as Grasbo, the evil dwarf. Angelo should be well-remembered by FM readers from his role in the original Freaks and as Bella Gossi's able helper in Spooks Run Wild, The Corpse Vanishes, and Scared to Death. Victimized and frightened by Dr. Frankenstein's horror creations are beautiful Regina Carroll and Hollywood veterans Russ Tamblin, Jim Davis, and Anthony Isley. The monster was played by 7'4 John Bloom, who recently appeared in AIP's Incredible Two-Headed Transplant. And in the mad Frankenstein lab itself, seen for the first time in color by Deluxe, 
are some of the original high-voltage sparkling machines used in the original Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein. All the creations of electronics wizard Ken Strickfadden. Adding to the atmosphere is a chilling old-time style music score by William Lava, famed for his Great Republic serial music and music for Universal's Creature from the Black Lagoon series. Pick your choice for the winner now. The contestants are deathly cold and can't warm up for their main event, Dracula vs. Frankenstein, in a fight of fright. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Zombies rise from their coffins as living corpses in blood of ghastly horror. Voodoo witchcraft transforms beautiful women into thousand-year-old mummies. Joe Corey died, and a psychotic killer was born. I can't believe it. It's true. Joe's last days were spent as a hunted mad animal. See a doctor invent a weird artificial brain component and create an inhuman fiend who commits acts of shocking and brutal horror. It's a frightening and fantastic visit with those who will not die. And they want your company now. He must possess the living to stay alive. You'll see scenes of cruel and unwholesome beings grotesquely lusting for vengeance as they rip and slash their way out of the grave. The zombies rise from their deathless sleep and stalk the city's dark streets for those lonely souls who will become their next tormented victims. To them, life is a nightmare of fresh corpses and dungeons of terror. Be the dead arise to thirst for the life-giving fluid they must have to keep their rotted bodies alive. Ghastly horror in color, rated PG. How many ways can you distort the human mind? One way is to remove the brain itself and control it. It's a fiendish spectacle of shocking surgery as new life is given to a man already dead. A creature created in an operation of horror. Can man control his most fiendish impulses to destroy? See, brain of blood for the shocking answer. His body returned to its grave. But the brain was gone, living on in a madman's skull. Deep in the
the doctor's chamber of horrors, living victim supplied the serum for his experiments. So fantastic and unbelievable that you'll have to watch every moment of brain of blood to see for yourself. A monster with the mind of a madman seeks vengeance. His body died. His brain was saved for the most unholy experiments. The brain of a dead man lives in a creature of horror. Listeners, I told you last week I was going to have Jackie on the show. She's been on the show before, but I'm ecstatic to catch up with her and just see how things are going in the world of Debbie and, and Jackie. Jackie Neiman Jones, welcome back to Monster Kid Radio. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's it's been a while since we talked, and I saw you doing some mono stuff, and I thought, well, I got to get in on this. Oh heck yeah, <laughs> heck yeah! It's been quite some time, so I want to kind of catch up and see how things are going, and just see what's going on in your world and what what you're up to these days. Wow, I mean, oof. A lot, it seems. Well, it's been a while since we filmed the uh, pilot episode to the new Monos Chronicles, mm-hmm. but that's getting real close. And uh, I don't know the details, but the plan for that is to find a distributor that'll fund more episodes. So I'm, you know, I'm really confident that's going to happen. And I'm just hoping it's. You know, it's something we can share soon. In the meantime, you can look it up on YouTube to see the trailer for the Monos Chronicles. For listeners who don't know, what is the Monos Chronicles? Well, you know, I produced and uh, starred in Monos Returns, and that was our story of what happened to Debbie 50 years later. Uh, You know, in that story, Debbie is raised by the cult, the Valley Lodge, the master and his wives. And and uh, then she ends up becoming the master. And, you know, as you can imagine, she's not a really well-adjusted, pleasant person, you know, being raised in that environment. But the Monos Chronicles is a different story that's caused me to now call it the Monosverse. You know, I mean, there's all these universes, all these directions you can go for from to from that initial basic story in Manos the Hands of Fate. So in this story, Debbie escaped the Valley Lodge as a child and has been in hiding ever since. And and now 55 years later, she's partnering with other people and beings to get retribution and kind of be a, a good force in the world. What is it about Manos that just, I mean, it's permanent, obviously, you know, it's from the from the film. Manos is permanent. There's no way out yes. here, you know. But what is it about Manos that just drives so many people to want to tell more Manos stories? Have you figured it out yet? No. Well, kind of, I don't know. It's I'm closer to understanding it than I ever have been in all these years but it is it's just amazing to me because you know i'm describing it these days as this deep rabbit hole with all these different tunnels 
that go off in different directions. Um, I mean, there's four stage productions that have happened over the years. You know, there's Monos, the rock opera of fate that was in Chicago. I am not sure, like 2011, maybe. And then there's been two plays, two stage productions. And one of them I got to be part of that was in Portland, Oregon. And in that one, it was a comedy. It was just hilarious. But they had the Doberman played by a puppet that was made of cardboard and felt and rolled on little wheels across the stage. And he inevitably fell over at least once a performance as the master rolled him around. And then Debbie was played by a doll that was held by one of the actors. And so when they found out I lived so close to Portland, they invited me to be part of it. And so I played my own voice. I played the voice of Debbie from the light booths. <laughs> and as, you know, Monos fans know, all the women's voices, including mine in the original film, were dubbed by one woman. So, you know, as a an adult dubbing the six-year-old, and this time I got to be my own voice. So that was really cool. And I mean, there's uh, coloring books, there's video games. I have the Torgo theme on my phone, which is embarrassing when I'm like in Walmart and I, and I can't dig my phone out of my purse. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, somebody's going to recognize and go, hey. I mean, and it's taught in film schools. Is everything not to do in filmmaking. I've actually run across several people who have been in that class and know about Monos because of film school. I think it has this, this vibe about it. I mean, it's just so odd, but people get it. The, there was a lot of passion put into it, as bad as it was. I mean, they weren't trying to make a bad film. They weren't doing it for any other reason than to make a film. I mean, how how Warren, the director's main purpose for it was not to make a great film, but to bring the eyes of other filmmakers to the beauty of the Southwest and the great potential for filmmaking. He wanted to be the guy that brought the film industry to El Paso in the Southwest. So, and I think a lot of people, anybody who's into film or has studied film or has tried to make one can appreciate that Hal Warren made a bet that he was going to make a film and he did, you know, no matter how bad it is, he got it done. Right. And many films much better than that have languished. You know, and back then, too, it was a lot more difficult. I mean, these days, I could pull out my phone and I suppose technically make a movie with it. You know, back then, the technology wasn't as accessible. So that they actually completed something, that they made a movie that, you know, for better or worse, is what it is. I mean, it's a completed story. It, It's a film. It's something that a lot of people just weren't able to do and still can't do. Right. I mean, they had to rent the, the camera. They had to buy the film to go in the camera. And they were working with people who were in theater who had full-time jobs. And so it was nights and weekends 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, a total of like eight days <laughs> filming. And because they were buying the film, there wasn't a lot of extra film. So even when Ben Salave found the original work print and raised $48,000 to restore it, there was very little extra film on there. You know, the outtakes, the edited stuff, there's very little. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and the camera itself was a Filmo 70, which was um, Vietnam and Korean War camera, a camera to film war footage. And it it shot silent and only 32 second shots. Right. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah. Pretty crazy. It's it is. It's. It's remarkable that they actually got it done. I just got married a couple months back, and I've been talking about Monos for a long time with my, well, then fiance, now wife. But I promised her I wasn't going to show her Monos until after we were married because I didn't want to scare her off. That's brutal. Now now she's in. Well, there's no way out of here. There's no way out. But watching it this time with somebody who, had never seen the film, didn't really know anything about the film outside of, you know, her then fiance now husband kind of blathering about it. Um, watching it through her eyes this time around, I think for me, what made me love, what makes me love Manos became crystal clear and that even though I know it's a film, it's the ending's never going to change. It's always going to have the same ending. I'm always wanting for it to nail the landing. Like I'm watching it and I'm rooting for the underdog and I want it to be this amazing thing at the end. And it's, it's, it's an okay film. I love the film, but you know, we, we know it's got its issues and I I'm always rooting for it. You know, no matter how many times I watch it, I'm rooting for it to be better. You know, <laughs> there's something about it that just makes me cheer how Warren and company along. It's like, you can do it. Come on, let's go. You know, <laughs> That's funny. I just had this little vision. I mean, I, I've got a puppy now, and she's just ten months old, and she just destroyed another toy. She she loves just eviscerating her toys. But but I just had this vision. You're saying that about like a, adopting a dog who is you know not all there. Maybe walks a little sideways or something. But you still keep trying to train it. You keep rooting for it to mm-hmm. just, you know, like get it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're constantly approached, I'm sure, about all these different monos projects. When somebody comes to you for, like, say, Rise of Torgo, or with Monos Returns, I know you were, you already had a relationship or working relationship with some of the filmmakers involved with that. Do they approach you, like? we know you did this serious project or is it all kind of a laugh because Manos has the mystery science theater 3000 background? Like how is that when you get approached for a project involving Manos, how do you respond to that? Well, like the rise of Torgo, that was quite a while back. And, you know, I was just kind of in a place where I'm like, yeah, sure. (laughs) You know? And, uh, we filmed my part, uh, remotely at a friend's house locally with a green screen and and uh, I didn't take it seriously really at all I mean you know I didn't 
understand it was to be a serious film. So I was just having fun. But, uh, you know, I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. And uh, but with Monos Returns, that was something that, um, you know, whether people like it or not, we did it with uh, with a lot of love and passion. And and I the, the people I worked with were all skilled and talented in, in their fields and what they do. And uh, it was just so great working together as a team like that. And to have a project that my dad could be involved in mm -hmm. and he enjoyed it very much. And, uh, and one of my favorite parts about it with him being involved was at the end, the cast and crew party where, uh, he was surrounded by all these, you know, adoring, loving people who he had just, you know, got to meet and spend some time with and, uh, and uh, I'm grateful I've got pictures of that. Yeah. You know, it's just a really wonderful time, and I'm very proud of that project. Um, see, and then uh, the Monos Chronicles, I feel that's, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, Willa Polson and her husband, Craig, who wrote it and produced it, and I mean, they've pretty much done it all, but Willow had a, a web series, uh, like an antiques roadshow kind of web series uh, that she won awards on. And uh, so I think that, I don't think, I know that <clears throat> the reason it's taking longer than she had anticipated was because she wants it to be really right. And I've seen it and I'm, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. I really hope we're able to do some more episodes of that. When it comes to doing Monos projects, do you prefer now the more straightforward, serious approach, or do you do you still kind of get a chuckle out of the 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 more lighthearted, let's kind of have fun with it approach? Well, I mean, it just depends. Like Joe Sherlock, who's our director of photography and Monos Returns, he's uh, I know him locally. He lives within an hour of me. And he does what I, what I jokingly call uh, boobies and blood movies. You know, they're fun. They're just fun movies. Somebody's always getting murdered, and there's lots of boobies. You know, <laughs> and um, so when he asked me to start being in some of his films, I just I said, yeah, but I'm not taking anything off. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So the closest you see that from me is in one of his films, I'm in a hot tub up to my shoulders, mm. you know, bubbling water and all. But um, I I joke with him and I say, I, I think I've been in like seven of his movies now. And I say, yeah, I told you I wouldn't take anything off. So you just always kill me in some gory way. I'm always being torn open or I think <laughs> last one we did i didn't actually die but i um i got in some horrible accident where my head was all bandaged up and then uh i ended up killing other people you know <laughs> like a almost zombified not 
not dead, but really alive either. <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, I I'm open to just about anything, you know. I, I've got a good sense of humor, but definitely I prefer anything where people are serious about, it, even if it's a comedy, you know, I mean, that they're really intentionally trying to do something good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get all kinds of other things. I'm doing online painting classes now. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Two Christmases ago, uh, Frank and Trace, you know, they've been doing online shows for a while because of COVID. So the Mads are back or online at uh, Dumb Dash Industries. And uh, Chris Gerbich, who runs Dumb Dash Industries, he also produces the Mary Jo Peel show. And anyway, Frank and Trace, they had, they did Rift Monos for their Christmas show two Christmases ago, two, two Decembers ago. And it was their best attended show to that point. You know, they were just, and it was really fun because I got Ben Salovey to let them use the restoration. So it was like a completely different experience. And even Trace said something in there like, now I kind of feel bad for making fun of it, you know? Because <laughs> it's like you're not watching a movie because that's part of it. Is every, the movie that people see on MST has is a copy of a copy of a copy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like looking through a dirty screen door. And... uh so I say the restoration is, um, it, it doesn't really make it a better film. It just means you can see all the mistakes so much clearer. And and you can see the background stuff, like when my dad's pulling his arms up in the house and twirls on his pile of dirt, you can see a beer bottle. You know, the, the crew left there intentionally to test Hal's powers of observation. And uh, when... When dad, my dad, the master is holding the Torgo's hand up and laughing, with the, you can see the can of lighter fluid in the background. You know, <laughs> things like. That. So. I don't think I've ever noticed that. I, I did, you know, kick in for that restoration because, well, like I said, I love Monos, uh, and I've watched that Blu-ray repeatedly, and that's actually what I showed my wife too. But I don't remember seeing the can of lighter fluid. I'll have to, uh, go and I'll have it. to watch it again. Now you'll always see, yeah, Yeah. be able to get it out of your head. (laughs) I love that we live in a world in which somebody thought, Monos, that needs to be on Blu-ray. Yeah, well, (laughs) and it was just by chance the right person found it. Mm -hmm. You know, he was into film restoration. That's his passion. And he bought a box on eBay. He, He saw some titles he wanted. And he asked for those, and the guy said, you have to take the whole box. So he did, and when he pulled out that roll of film that said Fingers of Fate on it, it was the original title, or one of the earlier titles before Monops, and he happened to know what he had in his hands. And he knew what to do with it. I mean, not unintended, right? Or it, but how to raise the funds to do so. Right. No, I, I love that. I love that it's out there. And uh, like I said, I kicked into it. I've got the Blu-ray. No, I love it. 
Uh, you mentioned Dumb Dash Industries. How did you, I mean, obviously, you know, oh, uh, your yeah. connection to them, but how did you get involved with them doing the painting and and uh, working with them as as often as you have lately? Well, I had been thinking about going online. I wanted to do some online painting classes because, you know, I had a 30-year career doing high-end faux finish, but, you know, I can't be on five-gallon buckets of mud anymore climbing scaffolding i mean i'll be 64 years old in july so that's wow okay. other questions well, happy early birthday <laughs> well thank you but i've been doing um you know paint and sit parties at restaurants and bars for like seven years and did really well but of course covid and i just in a place where i need to find different revenue streams ways to support myself and and i thought well i love teaching we try online and then i did that show uh the q a with watching monos with frank and trace and saw how successful it was i forgot what they said there's like 800 people watching your i mean it was like a pretty big number <laughs> and uh so after the show i talked to chris and i said any chance you'd want to do some painting classes with me? And he jumped on it. He's like, yeah. So he produces them. And we started with once a month, we call it Jackie's Hands of Paint. And it's on dumb-industries.com. And we just celebrated a year of classes. And our, our, our membership is growing. It's so much fun. So every second Saturday... I do a Mystery Science Theater-themed painting. Uh, the very first one we did was I did the Master and Dog painting, and I invited people to put their own pet in there. So we had some with kitties and another dog, and <laughs> it was really cute. Um, we've done Torgo. We've done The Brain That Wouldn't Die, uh, Mothra, Gamera, Godzilla, one last Saturday was a horror at Party Beach, and oh god, the I mean, this is outside my usual style of art as a professional artist, and it's been so much fun exploring this and watching MST movies looking for something that I could turn into a paint, <laughs> you know, painting class. And this one that I just did, I mean, I was just cracking up to the whole class every time i look at it, it just makes me smile it's so ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah we've been doing it for a year and then it, it's being it's really growing and i suggested adding a second class so on fourth saturdays we do a different kind of class more like the regular paint and sit parties that i was doing before so this month, the second Saturday, we did this beautiful jellyfish in the ocean class, and I invited people to uh, to paint the jellyfish, you know, according to the people in their family. So I painted one big jellyfish and then two for my sons and then four little tiny ones for my grandchildren. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of fun. Go check it out. It's uh and then there's a store there too where we're doing a lot of merchandising so uh we've designed some monos dresses mm -hmm. 
Uh, and those are really popular models, t-shirts, my book, you can get my book growing up with monos hands of fate, how I was the child star of the worst movie ever made and lived to tell the story. <laughs> Which we've talked about on the show. Um, and, and I have been talking about it in the past few weeks now. So we've been talking about monos. There is a link in the show notes to everything that Jackie just mentioned to dumb dash industries, uh, to, uh, everything that she's got going on. We're going to make sure there's links to all of that. And you said there's merch as well. Is that just under the, the shop section over at Dumb Dash Industries? Yes. Um, I will be adding more to it. I, I also have an Etsy store, Jackie's Monos. And uh, you can get the master's robes. I, my mother made the costumes in the original film, the master's robes and the wives' dresses and and uh, I learned to sew through her. She taught me. And and uh, so anyway, I recreate the master's robes and I do them signed and numbered and custom sized. I The biggest one I made went to England and he was six foot eight. Wow. And the smallest one I did, it went to Georgia and she was four foot 11. So... I've made them in all sizes, and I just last week shipped out number 57, and I've committed to making 100 of them. I was going to ask if you're still doing the robes, because that's it's like my pie-in-the-sky Christmas wish list item. You know, I'd love to get my hands on one of those someday, so I was, I'm glad you're still doing them. Yeah, I I think I will be for a while. I mean, there are a lot of work. I, I know I have to tell you, I think when I get to 60, I'm going to have to raise the price a little because I've really been keeping track of the time there. That's a lot of fabric. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how big or small the person is, it's, it's a lot. But And I'm getting better at it. I'll tell you. I think everyone I make is, I've learned just a little bit more. What is it? They say amateurs practice until they get it right, and and uh, experts do it until they can't get it wrong. <laughs> I like that. Okay, I, I like that. <laughs> um, so going back to uh, the, the painting classes that you're doing and these these movies, these MST3K style movies, do you find that these days you do have an affinity for those types of films? Somewhat. Yeah, I, I do like sci-fi stuff. I, I'm i not a big horror fan. I mean, I feel like I have enough anxiety within myself. I don't need to add to it. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, like when I read the news, I have to scroll past a lot of stuff. I just can't. Ugh. I'm I'm too visual or something. Not too, but you know, I... Mm -hmm. I just don't like those pictures in my head. <laughs> but I don't mind uh, participating in acting in it, you know, being behind the scenes. And I was just talking with Joe Sherlock um, just this week, and he sent me a link this morning. He's got a new movie coming up, you know, The Otter Noggins, and, and you're involved in that as well. Uh-huh. When you read a script from him or, or some of these other lower-budget movies that approach you, do you see similarities between what some of the independent filmmakers are doing now versus what Hal Warren was doing back then? I don't know. I've really never considered it. I mean, I know your perspective would be different now because you were a child then, you know, so your your 
version of what was happening is obviously different than what's happening now for you. Right. Yeah. 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 I really don't know how to answer. I just can't help but imagine that if Hal Warren and them and y'all had different tech, if you had better cameras, more access to film, you know, whatever, or if, if he was trying to make a movie today, how Monos would have turned out. Yeah, well, I mean, if, I think it'd be quite different because if all, you know, where film was at in 1966 and how much is out there, it's just like, you know, these days, if you, as an artist, I have an idea, I don't have to go out and find a model to post for me. I can go on Pinterest and get a thousand ideas and and create my own thing from that you know it's it's so much easier today in many ways i think like you say anybody can make a um film now you can make one on your phone look at all the things that go viral i mean i'll tell you a story i wish there was a camera in our backyard last week (laughs) my puppy was outside i was working outside and she's running around the yard and and uh, she stays close but she went into the neighbor's yard because the gate had been left open and i hear her screaming and i look out there and this wild turkey is on her ass like two feet behind her and this puppy she's a chihuahua dachshund mix she's fast this turkey's chasing her, so I'm I start running and screaming and waving my arms in a panic, and they come running through the fence, and they're running circles and zigzags all over this yard, and I'm yelling and running, waving my arms, and the turkey is completely ignoring me, just focused on killing this dog that's you know a third her size. And and finally, I got them separated, and I got a, got a hold of my dog and saw she hadn't been hit, you know, with the turkey spurs or anything. And and then I started calming down, and I just had this visual of what had just transpired. <laughs> and I went and I asked my son if the you know about the camera on the back of the house towards the backyard. I said, I said if if We've got film of this. I swear it's going viral. It was <laughs> it was so ridiculous. But no no camera. Too bad. You know how many moments people catch on film? They're just so incredible. I, I want to envision what that video would have looked like with the Torgo theme playing on top of it. <laughs> but see, that would have been perfect. But but you know, I, there's no way I could recreate that. Yeah. Oh, and and by the way, the end of the story is it turns out that that turkey had ten little babies, and my dog had come across that, and she was just a mama protecting her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I'm really excited for what Joe's got coming up with Otter Noggins, and I'm going to have him back on the show at some point to talk about some other things too. And Monos Chronicles sounds. Just amazing. I have been kind of following it from from the side, you know, kind of watching, waiting, hoping that it comes. Uh, hopefully there's a lot at the end of the tunnel for that. Come up. Is there anything else coming up for you? Well, um, I'm working with a guy from uh, Canada right now. He's a 
music promoter and and we met online and he's building a new fan page monos the fans of fate on facebook and an instagram monos fans of fate okay and i'll send you the links for those as well that's just getting off the ground but it looks like it's going to grow pretty fast. I mean, just in the last couple of days, I'm just watching more and more people jumping in. And, and it's everything, Monos. You know, I do have a Jackie Neiman Jones fan page that's really quite active on Facebook. But this is going to be just more encompassing. We want to include a lot of other people's projects and the uh, the things that they find out there in the world. And and I have just so many files that I've been uploading onto our OneDrive so that Ryan can put them into those. I just have so much stuff, old articles and photographs and trivia, and just things that I don't want to get lost. That's very cool. Yeah. Please send me the links to that. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes to everything, you know, the Instagram, the the Facebook. I think a lot of people that listen to Monster Kid Radio already know about the Facebook, but let's make sure that we are, are definitely promoting all the other projects as well. And again, link in the show notes to Tom Dash Industries too. I want to thank you for taking some time, kind of short notice to do this. This has been awesome. So thank you. Well, it's great catching up with you. It's been a while. We won't let it be this long again. And congratulations on your marriage. Oh, thank you so much. I'll, I'll pass that along. My wife's in the other room waiting for me to uh, finish talking with little Debbie. So Okay. Well, you may she tell her congratulations making it through the film on her first try. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. And thanks for indulging me in my love of all things Monos. Now, we're going to take a small break from talking about Monos here on the podcast. However, I'm not saying we're done. In fact, I'm just putting a pin in it because here in a few weeks, maybe a few months, hopefully lesser time than more, I will have a special announcement about a Monos-related project that Beth and I are undertaking I'm really excited about this. This is something that's been in the works and in the hopper and in the, in the gray matter kind of bubbling along for a long time. And it's finally going to happen. So stay tuned and keep your fingers and tentacles crossed. There's going to be more Monos goodness coming from Monster Kid Radio and Team Death and the Shadow Over Portland. Anyway, what does that mean for next week here on the show? Well, we're not going to talk about Monos next week. In fact, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to talk about next week on the show. I've got one or two episodes in the hopper, but really I've been feeling zombies. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why I've been thinking about the undead. I mean, I think part of it is realizing that Monster Kid Radio has been going for over a decade now, but that my very first podcast was a zombie-related podcast. And, and I don't know if maybe I'm feeling like uh, doing something with zombies again, but I want to do it Monster Kid Radio style. So we're going to be doing classic zombie stuff for the next couple of weeks at least. I just, again, not 100% sure what's happening next week on the show. In July... Kai July. We're doing a bunch of kaiju stuff in the month of July. And I can tell you in August, 
Well, like I said, I've got some stuff in the hopper, including a recording with Mark Holmes that's just been sitting there waiting to be released into the potosphere. So that'll be coming up in the future as well. But yeah, zombies next week. Somehow, some way, come back for that. Until next week, if you need anything about Monster Kid Radio, if you need to know anything about what we're doing here on the show, go over to monsterkidradio.net. You're going to find links to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, our Twitter, our Reddit, our Discord, our Patreon. You're going to find links in the show notes to everything that we've talked about here on the show, including Dumb Dash Industries. And when we say Dumb Dash Industries, it's not the word dash, it's actually just a little dash, so D-U-M dash and then industries.com and you'll be able to follow along with everything going on over there and sign up for Jackie's painting classes. We're going to make sure there's links to the Instagram page and the Facebook page that she mentioned as well. And if you haven't picked up the Monos book, please consider using the link that takes you to Amazon because we're an Amazon affiliate. And if you buy anything through Amazon, not just the Monos book, but anything really, as long as you click on the Amazon affiliate link, we're going to get credit for that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It just takes a penny or two out of Jeff Bezos's uh, pocket and puts it into the Monster Kid Radio coffers. And believe you me, every little bit helps. So please consider doing that to help support the show. Of course, you can always support the show by tweeting about it, by sharing it on Facebook, by just letting people know about it. You can also contact the show like Kevin did and email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. You can even send an audio file if that's more your style. Didn't mean to rhyme that. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 360-524-2484. Again, all of that is on our website at monsterkidradio.net. A couple of other things of business that I'd like to go over real quick. I received a message from somebody, and I apologize. I saw the message and thought, I'm going to get back to that when I get home from work. And now I can't find that message, but somebody sent me a message about the Crestwood House shirts that uh, I have available now. This is a new shirt uh, that is something that you can buy. Uh, you can go up to size 6X. It's a Hawaiian-style shirt in that it's cut like a Hawaiian shirt, but the pattern... I think feels more like a bowling shirt in terms of like the black sleeves and black collar, but the cut, the front is a cascade of covers from the original Crestwood house books. And the back of the shirt is mocked up to look like the back of the Crestwood house books. The Crestwood house books were these thin, primarily orange and black books that discussed the monster movies, Frankenstein, mad scientists, the fly Godzilla, all of them. And they were what a lot of us monster kids read and were first introduced to monster movies through. I love this shirt. It's one of my absolute favorite designs. I wear it to work, in fact, and I get good comments and compliments on it. Anyway, somebody reached out to me asking if it was still available. I am so sorry I didn't get back to you in a more timely fashion, but if you're listening to this, yes, they're still available. Email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. I'll let you know how you can get one, how much they cost, and I'll get your address so I can get you one sent out to you. Cool? Cool. Also, don't forget, again, become a patron at the $5 level or higher, and you can participate in the first live trivia game. Oh, man, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, over 30 questions, monster movie trivia, hosted by me. Again, go to patreon.com slash monsterkidradio to learn how you can participate. You need to contact me there, RSVP through Patreon, and I'll make sure you get signed up. And we'll have a good time on Sunday at noon Pacific at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. I think that's enough. I think that's it. 
I think I'm just spinning my wheels, so I'm going to wrap up and let you know. The Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives. (gasps) 3.0 unported license. (laughs) Um, Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Manos, the Hands of Fate. That is copyright 2019, The Seatopians. It's on their album, Underwater Alley. You can find them at theseatopians.bandcamp.com. You can check out this song, their entire album, their other albums. Just make sure you let them know you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Until next week, my name is Derek M. Cook. There is no way out of here, but there there really is because we're winning the episode. So until next week, ciao.